faithfulness has caught my eye. Those who seek your downfall are loud and boastful with their words. But you will stand in the end, for you have been faithful and have endured much. You have not wavered in your love for the Lord. Discouragement is all around you, and its desire is for you. But because of your love for the Lord, you will be brought out, set free, and delivered. Continue on your way. Though it may be hard and difficult at times, in the end, you will overcome. Now, in giving you this word, I set you up. Because I knew it wouldn't have the impact unless I did. Brother Jolly was holding to this in this morning. And he was, he didn't, I didn't tell him anything about this, but he mentioned it in, his, in what he was, he was saying. The word that I just wrote for you did not come from God. It came from me to minister to your soul. Many Christians, this came to me earlier in the week. Many Christians cannot discern between a word meant to minister to their soul and a word meant to minister to your spirit. Now, here's the thing. God is interested in ministering to your spirit and your soul. So some of the things I wrote in the word are exciting and you can get excited about it in your spirit. But you have to understand what is lasting is what comes to your spirit. Not what comes to your soul. The word of God is able to divide what? Spirit and soul. Because it's a tough thing. Many Christians are happier when their soul is ministered to because they feel better. But what comes to your spirit is intended to empower you, not just make you feel better. Food for the soul or feelings is often to us as the fruit of the tree in the garden that Adam and Eve ate of. And the wisdom that comes with it is as worthless as the fruit that was. We have to be careful in the things that we listen to and the things that we take in because some things are meant for your soul and they will minister to your feelings with the intent to help you feel better. But it is not lasting. What is lasting is what comes to your spirit. But if you take what is meant for your spirit and don't do the right thing with it, it will not be around when you need it. If you're up on Facebook over the weekend, I put this up there for you folks to see because we're trying to give you a little introduction as to what would be happening with this. We're looking today at something we have alluded to. You all can sit down if you. We're looking today at something that we have alluded to and haven't really got into yet, and that is the barns and the storehouses. I remember we talked about that, alluded to it, and so forth. We wanted to, to give you some things in this to help you to understand. I love what Brother Jolly, Brother Jolly said he, when he was talking about this morning. He said, this is intended to minister to your soul. <laughs> and there are some things God will do, folks, to minister to your soul. But there are things that are intended to minister to your spirit. And what you do with them has a whole lot to do with where you go. Talking about barns and storehouses. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 56 the famine was over all the face of the earth and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians and the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe. So what is a barn and what is a storehouse? A barn or a storehouse is a place where abundance is stored to satisfy an anticipated time of need or unexpected time of lack. 
A barn or a storehouse is a place of abundance or a place where abundance is stored to satisfy an anticipated time of need or an unexpected time of lack. With Joseph, when he put the stuff in the storehouse, it was an anticipated time of there would be a need coming up. And God said, I want you to anticipate this. You're going to have seven years of plenty and you're going to have seven years of famine. It's coming. Now, we, have, we want to sometimes get ourselves into the place with God and get so spiritual that we think we will never have a time of lack. And yet in the Bible, constantly we find believers in places of lack. Joseph was sent on to Egypt to store up plenty. For the purpose of whom? God had one purpose, one person, one person's family he wanted to set aside, make sure that they had enough. And that was Abraham's. Joseph's family, Abraham, all, that's who he wanted to, to, he wanted to make sure Abraham was taken care of. So he sent Joseph on ahead to go to the place where there would be plenty to store up so that when Abraham, a blessed man of God, began to run out of stuff, Wheat, so forth. There was a place to go. Well, why does why, why does the blessed man have to have lack? <laughs> it's not God's intent, but understand that it is the enemy, the cause of the enemy, to try and wipe out what God is doing. And God will warn. This all right. This is the way to get around it this time. This is what we're going to do. And he wasn't able to accomplish it. I remember uh, um, Brother Keith was sharing one time about Brother Keith Moore was sharing one time about Rama that uh, God had shown Brother Hagen uh, beforehand. He said, I want you to do this with the monies that come in for the ministry. I want you to use 70% of it and store away 30. And so he did that because the Lord instructed him to. And he did this for a number of years. Well, some things happened in the body of Christ that caused people to become a little disillusioned with church. And the offerings were not coming in as much. And some ministries went down. But they continued right on. Didn't miss anything. Because they did. But, and they said it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for that. A barn or a storehouse is a place where abundance is stored to satisfy an anticipated time of need or unexpected time of lack. In Psalm 144, verse 13, that our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce that our sheep may bring forth thousands and tens of thousands in our fields. God wants your barns to be full. In order for your barns to be full, you first off have to have barns. You have to have a place to store the abundance in order to handle the abundance. If Joseph was in Egypt and the abundance came in, but he didn't store it any place, what good did it do? But he stored it. He built storehouses for the abundance. And so when it came, he put them in there. When they filled up those storehouses, what did he do? And build other ones. He is always anticipating what was coming in and had the storehouses built up for it. Storehouses that would hold the abundance for the seven years. In Proverbs 3 and verse 10, So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. One more verse and I'm going to show you some things from this. Deuteronomy 28 verse 1. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of His commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all things, all these 
blessing shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your body, produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all in which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Now this comes if you diligently obey. There's a condition on it. There is a condition on the things that, that uh, the blessings of God. And he says, if you obey, this is what's going to happen. But he says, your storehouses will be full. The verse before, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Storage places are built for what is intended, for what it is intended to hold. Right? If you, how many have ever had those little animals, little critters, fish, stuff like that? Well, when you're going to have those in the house, what do you have to do? You gotta buy a cage that's made to hold that particular animal. That particular thing you're bringing home for the, for the kids. And so you get a particular container that is tailored to hold that thing. Well, you build a barn. A barn holds certain types of uh, wheat and grain and dry things like that. Uh, but uh, if you want to store vine or wine, if you get an abundance of wine, where are you gonna put it in? A barn? No. That's why it says your vats. So you have vats. These are things that are made to hold liquid. There are many different types of storehouses, many different types of barns, but they are designed to hold certain things. The ones that uh, the barns they have, and they they put the uh, barrels of uh, the, the the big uh, bins of I forget what they call them, the hay and stuff, bales, the bales of of hay. Well, that's designed for whatever it is that makes the bales to drive in and be able to unload them. They design it for that. They design it to hold the bales of hay. They design it for how it's supposed to, how it's supposed to go. Uh, uh, I remember uh, Brother Rob, they used to be here at church. They're up at Elisha's house now and ministry up there. But he was talking about his, his uh, barn. And the way that a barn was made, I didn't know this about this until he was bringing it up, but the way that a barn was made, it's made to hold a lot of hay and straw. And if it doesn't have the weight of the hay and the straw in the barn, the barn actually starts to fall apart. It needs the weight. It's built to hold the weight. And the weight actually helps hold it together. I didn't know that about barns. But he said that's an that's important thing about, about a barn is you have to put stuff in it. You may empty it out, but then you've got to go back and put more stuff in it. Otherwise, the barn's not doing what it's supposed to do and it won't be around for long. So the storage may change, but blessings can be stored as long as you use the proper container. Blessings are made to be... Most, most all blessings can be stored because blessings are intended to be an abundance. Remember children in the wilderness? The manna was not meant to be stored, but the blessings of God are meant to be stored. So there are containers that will hold them. Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in all his ways, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. 
And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground. Read that again. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of the ground, in a land which the Lord swore to give to, to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain in your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. These are things you can talk about when you go to work. Whatever job it is that you're at, God will bless the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. And if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, you sh- so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods and to serve them. Now he talks about lending. Is l- When you lend to someone, have you not in essence put something into a storehouse? It's supposed to grow and, and earn interest, plus you still have what you put in there as well. So even lending is is part of a storehouse. It's part of a barn to, to uh, store. Because you have to be blessed in order to lend. Some people have come out with the idea that borrowing is wrong by the standards of the Word of God. That is wrong. Because if it is wrong to borrow, it is therefore wrong to lend. He's just saying you don't need to, you won't need to borrow. You'll have so much you'll be a lender. Now, storehouses, barns, places where you're going to store the blessing, they require three things. First off, they require that I am blessed. You don't need any storehouses. You don't need any barns unless you are blessed with stuff to put in them. So storehouses require that I am blessed. Secondly, storehouses require that I have planned. You got a plan. If you're going to have storehouses, you got to have a plan. I'm going to bring this in. I'm going to have this much extra and I'm going to put it here. You've got to have a place to anticipate. You can't just all of a sudden have a need for our storehouse and try and find one real fast. Barns just don't go up in a day. You've got to be ready for them. Requires that I'm blessed, that I have planned. Here's the hard one. Here's the tough one. This is where, what keeps most people from having storehouses. Because most of us can be, we can walk in that area being blessed and have more than we need. We can even walk in that area where um, we have a plan. I'm going to plan to be blessed. I'm going to have a plan to put them someplace. Here's the hard one, though. Willing to sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice. What most people do when they get an abundant blessing is... We use it. <laughs> we buy stuff. We put it... To, we, we get stuff. We, we, we use it. We don't store it. We, we use it up. And so we don't have anything to store because we... You used it, right? So you have to be willing to sacrifice, just like Brother Hagin did with the with the ministry. Instead of uh, operating on more, he had to operate on 70% of what came in and store up 30%. Just like the people in Egypt. We have great abundance, but we've got to bring all this stuff over here. Why do we have to bring this here? Why do we have to make this kind of a sacrifice? Put in your outline, improper storage of blessings results in inadequate help in the time of need. Inadequate storage of blessings results in inadequate help in time of need. When we have a need, it sure is nice to... I mean, if you had a savings account, and in that savings account was $100,000. All right, now most of you say, well, I wouldn't put that into a savings account. But regardless, 
We're just gonna, you have a savings account, $100,000, and all of a sudden, your car broke down. Is this a problem? No. Why? Because I got plenty in the storehouse. Right? See, the bigger the storehouse, the bigger the problem they can take care of. Storehouses are good. Now, we're going to look at something here, supernatural storage, because not all blessings are just material. I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures. I may not read them all, but I put, them, I put a whole mess of them in here for you. In Deuteronomy 4 and verse 29, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find Him if you seek Him with all your what? And with all your... What's first? Heart. Do you think that's by accident? No. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your... And with all your... Do you think it's by accident that it's first again? Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your... And with all your... Once again, what's first? Chapter 11, verse 13. It shall be that if you earnestly obey My commands, which I command you to, to love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your... And with all your... Soul. 11.18 Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign of your, on your hand as they shall be as fontlets between your eyes. 13 verse, verse 1 If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign of the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of the prophet or the dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your and with all your soul. Chapter 26, verse 16. The day of the Lord, this day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy 30, verse 2. And you return to the Lord your God and obey His voice according to all that I have commanded you, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 6, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 10, If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep His commandments and His statutes which are written in the book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, Joshua 22, verse 5, But take careful heed to do the commandment of the Lord your... which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, to hold fast to Him, and to serve Him with all your... and with all your... soul. First Chronicles 22, verse 19, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Matthew 22, verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your... And with all your soul. He's quoting the Old Testament there. Mark 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. I couldn't find a single place where soul was ever mentioned before heart or before heart or spirit. Because the first and foremost thing for you to do is to build up your spirit. To speak out of your spirit. To love the Lord first off with your spirit or your heart. Secondly, with your soul. Your soul is important. Some of those things I put in that supposed word that we had in the beginning. Uh, some of those things are, are scriptural and you can get excited about them. But understand this. What should excite you the most? It's what ministers to your spirit. 
And there is a discern is it easy to discern between what is meant for your soul and what is meant for your spirit. We've got to focus on those that are meant for our spirit. But let's take a look at some more things about the soul. In Psalms 94, verse 19, in the magnitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Now, see, a lot of times we fall into places of anxiety, fear. It comes up within us. And all we want minister to at that time is our soul, the base of our feelings and our emotions. We want our soul ministered to. And God will come and he can come down. He'll send some folks. They'll come on in. They'll speak to your soul and he'll give you words of comfort. But folks, you shouldn't have been there because the word of God tells us be anxious for nothing. In other words, operate by your spirit, not by your soul. This person here is operating by their soul. When you get into that, well, then God has to come in there and minister to your soul, get you out of it. But it'd be a whole lot better if you go a different way. Psalms 116, verse 7. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. If we understood the bounty that God has dealt with us, we wouldn't have been in a place of unrest to begin with. That's why he says, return to your rest. Return to it. But God wants you to stay there. Proverbs 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil from the man who speaks perverse things. Get this at verse 10. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Here's what he's saying. There are many, the Word of God talks about having itching ears that some will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, some people, their soul will not endure teaching, sound teaching from the Word of God. If you don't get sound teaching from the Word of God, what will not enter your heart? Wisdom. Wisdom will not enter your heart if you do not endure sound teaching. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil from the man who speaks perverse things. When the wisdom of God is down on the inside of your heart, when it has entered you because you have enjoyed the knowledge of God, discretion will preserve you. Too often we are ministering to God in the soulish realm, begging God to preserve us. When the Word of God says, when wisdom enters your soul, discretion will do it. 
Understanding will keep you. Does God grow in understanding? No. <laughs> Only us. To deliver you from the way of evil. Yet many people that are caught up in a soulish relationship in their Christian walk are constantly asking God, Oh God, please deliver me from this. Oh God, please help me here. Oh God, oh God. To deliver you from the way of evil and from the man who speaks perverse things. Isaiah 26 verse 9. With my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early. With my soul I have desired you. When your soul desires the things of God, this is good, this is meaning the knowledge is pleasant to you, but it is your spirit that will seek Him. Not your soul. Your soul will have a desire. Your spirit is the one who does the seeking. Because how do you contact God? Through your... It is spirit to spirit. Not soul to spirit, not flesh to spirit. It is spirit to spirit. With our spirit, we contact the Spirit of God. That's how we receive that wisdom. With my soul, I've desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I seek you early. For when, you're, for when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Now over in Isaiah chapter 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you have mercy, you have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. The things that feed your soul are in in the long run unsatisfying. The things that feed your spirit in the long run satisfy. What he's saying is you need to come and you need to get things that are that food you can't buy with money. And this is what he's talking about, spiritual food. Food that comes to your spirit. It will grow you. Why buy, why spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? How many of you uh, have ever been out to a, maybe one of the fast food restaurants and have eaten there and came out unsatisfied? Either it didn't sit well with you, uh, whatever it might be. It's just, you came out of there and you were not satisfied. You know, I have certain ones that I come out of there and I've been unsatisfied and uh, I generally don't go. I would, generally rather be hungry than to go there and to eat. Because you come out and you're, you feel unsatisfied. You don't feel like it's, it's, it's helped you. It's, it's, there's just something that's not right there. The things that come and speak to your soul will minister to you for just a little bit. But what is lasting is what comes to your spirit. And the person who begins to order their life out of what is in their spirit instead of what ministers to their soul becomes a lasting person. Now, I didn't have room for this in your, in yours. But to grow in God, we need to leave the soulish realm and move to and stay in the spirit realm. If you want to grow, you've got to get out of the soulish realm. You've got to get into the spiritual realm. Our storehouses are filled with things of substance, things that are not there to minister to your soul or your feelings, but your spirit. 
We receive the word of God, meditate on it to gain the right understanding and store away actions that lead to life. When our spirit is filled with life, our spirit speaks to our soul and tells it how to feel, to which our soul will line up. For many, it is their flesh that speaks to their soul and they end up one day and down the next. If you find yourself up and down spiritually in your walk with God, more than likely you have a life that is dictated by your soul and not by your spirit. When you are ruled by your spirit, when the attacks come against your feelings, when the attacks come against your soul, your emotions get flared up, your spirit is a settling force that carries you through it. If you don't have a spirit that is a settling force, you will be like a ship on a uh, on the waves of an ocean tossed to and fro, back and forth, to the point that even the disciples were scared that they were going down. But Jesus, in that situation there when he was on the water, Jesus spoke from his spirit. Where did the disciples speak from? Their soul. They felt like Jesus abandoned them. Master, do you not care that we are perishing? They became fearful. Their emotions were in control. But Jesus wasn't, wasn't moved by these things. His soul was not moved. He spoke by his spirit and the situation changed. Too many times Christians are on a boat and they got no one who will speak on their spirit and their ship goes down. It wasn't God's intention. But you got a bunch of people over there speaking from their soul. You got to speak from your spirit. It is your spirit that can store the wisdom of God, not your soul. It is your spirit. And as you enlarge the barns, the storehouses that your spirit can pull from, you are made more and more stable. Especially, and this is the key, when you run into a crisis, when you run into a problem, you must go to the storehouse fed by your spirit, not go to your soul. Because then when you speak out of your Spirit, you speak life. You speak actions of wisdom. Your soul can't do that. Now, here's, a, here's some words that you can listen for and find Christians that are based more in their soul than they are. Under, I'm not saying entirely. I'm just saying more. When we say things like, well, I don't feel that the Lord will. I've never heard that one. <laughs> Well, I don't feel the little Lord would do that. I really don't care what you feel like. What does the word say? What does the word say? Too many times Christians in their Christian walk are, are making statements, faith statements. Oh, I hope you can get this one. This came to me this week and it helped me out with something. Christians are making faith statements out of their soul not out of their spirit. 
They are speaking things of faith, making declarations of faith based on what they feel or desire. Not based on what God said. And it's a huge difference. I love uh, what Brother Hagin taught us down there. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Such a short phrase and so powerful. I sometimes find myself going back to that over and over again. Faith begins where the will of God is known. The will of God is not known in your soul. The will of God is known in your spirit. It is formulated on what God has said, not on what you feel. Well, I feel like God would do this for me. Good. Find it in His Word. You might even be right. That may be what God wants to do. You may feel the right thing. But faith begins where the will of God is known, not where, where the will of God is felt, supposed. <laughs> it's, it's where it's known. You've got to know it. What in the Word of God has been declared for your life? And you need to find it in, the, in His Word, written in His Word, and stand on it. This is what you said in your Word. Now, while I feel like God would do this, I feel like this would be a good thing. It doesn't matter. You are, you are allowing yourself to be put into the soul realm and you're trying to achieve a spiritual victory. Spiritual victories are achieved in the realm of the Spirit. Get in the realm of the Spirit. Don't get into in this other realm. Now let's take a look at a story here in Luke chapter 12. This is one you all know. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, understand this phrase. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. First off, this person thinks that Jesus... It's important to Jesus to uh, take care of the inheritance problem that they have. He feels like Jesus would minister to us, doesn't it? Does he have any word on it? Has there anywhere in the word of God where God says, uh, Jesus said, you know what? I am here to take care of inheritance disputes. I'm here to heal the sick, preach the word, minister to the, to the, set free those that are uh, in captive and to take care of inheritance disputes. He didn't say that, did he? But he feels like he ought to. Right? Why, why is he coming to Jesus? Obviously, he thinks that Jesus can settle it. He thinks that Jesus would settle it. But Jesus has never done anything in the ministry that would let us believe that he would do this. Or that he's called to it. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So he feels like he's right. He feels like Jesus would side with him. And he feels like Jesus would care about jumping in here and doing something for it. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? In other words, he's saying this. What scripture you got on it? (laughs) Where did God put me over this area? Oh, I need scripture. And he said to him, take heed and beware of covetous. He doesn't. That's it. He's done with it. Take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And he's, he's moving on. He says, man, y'all mindful of the wrong stuff here. Then he spoke a parable to them saying that the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, plentifully. And he thought, him, thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? He didn't plan this out pretty well, did he? 
He got more abundance. Now, it's a good thing to get more abundance than you had planned for. He had planned. He had some barns, but they were not big enough to handle the abundance. What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This is the parable. Jesus picks the words he wants to use. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Contrast here is not line up with them and not having sowing and reaping and storehouses and barns. He's saying without them, they're able to be fed. How much more you who have sowing and reaping and storehouses and barns? Of how much more value are you than the birds of which I, of which, I'm sorry, and which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do you not seek what you should eat or what you should drink? nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. God is not moved by need. God is not moved by feelings and emotions. God is moved by faith. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little, one, or little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom." He likes to give stuff away. He does. Sell what you have, give alms, provide yourself money bags, which do not grow old, a treasure in which heaven, in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your waist be gird and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master, who will return from the wedding that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. This man had a problem. He had too much stuff. And so he says to his soul, Soul, you have many goods. And he begins to minister to himself out of his... What is he speaking out of? It's not his soul. He's ministering to his soul. He's talking to his soul. What's he ministering out of? Spirit. Can't be his spirit because you, would your spirit do that? <laughs> what a, if it's not his soul, it's not his spirit, what's left? Flesh. It's his flesh. And does not, does not sound like a flesh command? I know we hadn't talked about flesh yet. We've been talking spirit and soul, messing you up. 
But this comes out of his flesh. His flesh speaks to his soul. What should be speaking to his soul? His spirit. In order for his spirit to find out what to do with this great abundance, what should he do? Find out, God, what should I do with this great abundance? And God may have said to him, look, the barns you have are great. Now take the extra you can't fit in there and give it away. Sell it. Do this with it. Give him another plan. And then this way you will have treasure in heaven as well as treasure down there. And the guy missed the opportunity and decided to make plans to keep it all himself for which he sent nothing over to the other side. And the parable is about this. Make sure you have money bags in heaven where moth doesn't get to it, thieves don't get to it. That's an important thing to do. So the man speaks out of his flesh we should be speaking out of our spirit. We should be speaking out of the spirit. The Word of God tells us that in all our getting, get wisdom and get understanding. And all the things you are to get, those are the most important things you ought to have. But without correct understanding, the wisdom gained is useless. I didn't write this uh, scripture in there for your outline, but if you want, you can write this in. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 5. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had for- forgotten to take bread. Matthew chapter 16, verse 5. Here's verse 6. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Do you not understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand? How many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000? How many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, here's the thing you can learn from this. The disciples were in the right place. They were under a good ministry. They were hearing the word of God. And Jesus spoke a truth to them. Not to the multitude. He was speaking it to them. And they heard it through their soul. They heard a spiritual message through the vehicle of their soul. Their emotions and their feelings. They're feeling poorly. They're feeling bad because they took no bread. They're feeling deficient. And so when they heard this, they interpreted it in light of what they were feeling. And they got a completely wrong message from it. But they would have stored that in the storehouse. And then later on, when they needed to, they would have pulled that out of the storehouse and acted on it. Would it have done them any good? No, wouldn't have done them any good at all. We've got to press in, not just to hear spiritual word, not just to hear the word of God. We've got to press in to be hearers of it as well. Jesus, one of his famous things, things that he would say to people was, was for him who has ears to hear, let him hear. We've got to have ears to hear. We've got to hear it correctly. If I do not hear a spiritual principle with the spiritual intent I will store away wisdom that is nothing more than soulish wisdom and not spiritual. And when I go to pull it out, it will be no good to me. No good at all. 
Jesus is ministering to them here. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of that. Te- you see that teaching that's there? See that doctrine they got? That it'll infect you. You let that stuff get inside, it'll infect you. You beware of it. When you see it come up, don't let it get in. This is what he's trying to teach them. And so that when they would be out there on their own and they would hear some of this doctrine, they would be on guard against it and they wouldn't let it in. This would have a positive effect on them. But they weren't doing that. So, oh man, we forgot to bring bread. And Jesus is saying, wait, we've been in the wilderness with 5,000 men and their wives and children needed to feed them and bread was supplied. And again, 4,000 and bread was supplied. And you think it's because you didn't bring bread? And we laugh at it. But when you take a spiritual truth and derive a soulish meaning from it, it's the same thing. And it will not provide wisdom for you. And when you apply it to your life, it will not be the blessing that you intend, that God wants you to have. It won't be. It can't be. Now, we, we look at this and say, beware of the, the Pharisees just got done doing some stuff. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we think, well, why, why would they take that otherwise? But how many times have we heard spiritual messages from God and have interpreted them in light of what we are feeling at the time? In light of what we are going through at the time. Not in light of what is intended. We've got to make sure that we don't do that. I would have put this in your outline for you too, but when our soul, the feelings, emotional area of ourselves, when our soul is dominate, is dominant over our spirit, we hear spiritual truths incorrectly and cannot access the wisdom of God intended for us. When our soul is dominant over our spirit, we hear spiritual truths incorrectly and cannot access the wisdom of God intended for us. God often sends us wisdom that we hear with our soul. And it does not have its purpose. It does not get stored away the place that it should be. Or sometimes, you know, we've stored it away and uh, I'll tell you what, we, we can't find it when we need it. We can't find it. Anybody ever been to some of these warehouses, some of these warehouse places? I mean, some warehouses you get into, I'm not talking about retail stores that are warehouses, just, just warehouses. And you go into some of these warehouses and you wonder how they find anything. I mean, it looks like a disaster in there. I had an opportunity uh, some time ago to go into a warehouse, and you may have heard of, of this company, uh, but they used to be in our area. They, they closed up the one that was close to me, and they moved away to someplace else. But it's a place called Granger. Have you ever heard of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I walked into this one in Montgomeryville. It was the cleanest, neatest warehouse I ever saw in my entire life. The floor was painted, mopped, sparkled. The shelves gleamed. Everything was in order. It's like, wow. (laughs) The building was immaculate. It was something else. If you needed to have something, they could go find it. Real easy. But how many of y'all know there are some warehouses that uh, it may take them a couple of weeks to find out what it is that you're, you're looking for. What's important is that when we have the wisdom of God, we need to file it. We need to put it someplace where we can get it. For some folks, it's been a journal. For some people, you've got computer programs and you've got things written down that way. However it is, you need to make sure that you put some time into writing down the wisdom of God when it comes to you and putting it in a place where you can get to it. And sometimes you just sit back there and just go over some of the things that you have learned as far as wisdom from God is concerned. And just meditate on it and mull over it. Get it to be a part of you. 
put this in your outline. Many Christians speak to themselves out of their abundance, which is unfortunately in their flesh or soul and not from their spirit. Our abundance needs to be in the area of the spirit. And then when we get into trouble, that's where we speak from. What comes to your spirit is intended to empower you. What comes to your spirit is intended to, to empower you, not just make you feel better. It's intended to empower you. No, not all things that we do to make ourselves get stronger make us feel better. Right? I mean, sometimes you've got to eat some stuff that maybe you'd rather not eat and not eat some things that you'd prefer to eat because you're trying to feel better. We were over in Costco one time and they had the, one of those machines they were doing and they were demonstrating the machine. And this is just taking it a little bit too far. But uh, the guy made some ice cream and he put green things in it like spinach and uh, I don't know what else, like ginger. I remember ginger was in there. And so, I mean, this does not belong in ice cream. <laughs> and so he gave us all a sample. I think my wife, and she loves vegetables. I think she shunned it. I don't know. You didn't taste it. Did you? She, it was too much for her. She, but I said, all right, I'll give it a shot. I gave it a shot. I had vegetables in it. Vegetable ice cream. And I gave it a shot. And I did finish it, but I would not go back and have some more. I think that's just, a, you know, it's ruining the, the whole thing. I don't like ginger to begin with. Ginger just is one of those things I just, ugh. Uh, my wife's thing is, her, her kryptonite is coconut. Mine is ginger. One of the things, anyway. She doesn't like coconut. She'll taste it no matter how little bit you put in there. She will taste it. <laughs> uh, uh, and I, I'm not a much of a, of a ginger person. But, you know, why, why would you do all that? I mean, just go out there and eat the spinach. If you want to eat the spinach, leave the ice cream to be ice cream. God has intended some things for our benefit. And He speaks them to your spirit. But you've got to hear it in your spirit. But too often we hear things that God speaks to us in our flesh. You may have heard this. You may have heard people come unto you and say, Oh, I heard this. I was reading in the Word. I heard this person say this. And this is what, and they'll say what it meant to them. And you're thinking, Dear Lord, really? That's what you got out of it? Have you ever had that with somebody? And just, just shocked that anybody could possibly get that meaning out of there. Well, it's what happens when our soul gets involved. We get our feelings in, in there and we hear through it. What comes to your spirit is intended to empower you. That's his goal. God wants to empower you for something that's coming down the road. He knows what is coming after you. And he wants to empower you. So he is speaking these things to you so that it is there. And when the need comes in, you go to the storehouse and there is your answer. A strong, powerful storehouse solves most of life's problems. But we go from problem to problem because we are not focused on building up the storehouse in the proper way and in a way that we can access it. We don't meditate on the principles of the Word of God on a regular basis. We just let them go. Your desire needs to be for God. Your soul needs to desire it. But you seek Him with your spirit. Get your spirit involved. It is not wrong. I put this in your outline here. It is not wrong for a church... To minister to your soul. It is wrong to make it first and foremost. There's a lot of churches out there and, and their first goal is to minister to your soul. How do you know that? Well, going in there and you know, and they got the lights and the smoke and the coffee and the, uh, 
uh, all the different things that are going on. And what's the goal of the whole thing? Make you feel good. Right? That's what we want. And it is not wrong for a church to minister to your soul. It is not wrong for a church to minister to your emotions and your feelings. It is wrong when they do that foremost and first off. First off, it needs to be your spirit. But how many times have you talked to other Christians and what they go to church for is for their soul? For their soul. Friendships, business contacts, Things like this. It's soulish stuff. The first and foremost thing needs to be your spirit. Your spirit needs to be edified. But you can be just like the disciples and be in the right place, <laughs> hearing the right stuff, and not hearing it through the eyes of your, or the ears of your spirit, hearing it through the ears of your soul. And you can come out with a wrong meeting just like they did with the Pharisees, the eleven of the Pharisees. But God wants us to grow in Him. He wants us to, to grow in Him. He wants us to get out of this place where today is a good day, tomorrow is a bad day, and then we're back to a good day. No, He wants you to have good days all the way around. That's, right. That's, right. That's what He desires. He wants you to have that. He wants you to get out of the place where your soul is first and foremost. Where your flesh is where your abundance is. He wants your abundance to be in your spirit. He wants your abundance to be what you glean from there. Oh, it'll change your life. When you are meditating on the things of God, taking His principles and putting them to work, and when God says to do something, like in Deuteronomy 28, if you do the words of this book, this is what I'm going to do. This is what you open up me to be able to do. I can bless the work of your hands. Whatever you put your hand to, bless it. Your storehouses, blessed. Your livestock, blessed. You're blessed going in, you're blessed going out. You're the head, you're not the tail. All those things come because you... Do what the Word of God says. This is not a spiritual principle, but I was watching a show and, uh, you know, they had a bad guy. It was one of those shows that has a likable bad guy. You ever seen those? They got a bad guy, but he's likable. He's not mean. He's not nasty. He actually liked the bad guy. He's a likable bad guy. And he uh, was taking some of the people in the show um, and he was bringing them through a bunch of things and it was messing with their minds. It was messing with their emotions. And the one guy stood up to him and he says, don't you understand how you made us feel? Or no, don't you understand what, we were, what you made us think? And the bad guy just said to him, he says, I don't care what you think. I care about what you do. And you did just fine. <laughs> oh, man. I was listening to that and says, oh, we could have some spiritual application on that. We could get some of that going on, can't we? It's what you do. What are you doing with what you know from the Word of God? What are you doing with it? God says, what are you, what are you doing? Come on, put it to work. Get it going. Here's the Word. The Word is here to minister to your spirit. It's going to put an abundance in your spirit. Great abundance. You can have all this. And whenever you come into a, a situation, a problem, you draw off of what's in your spirit. And you have more than enough to take care of it. How many times have we been down the road and we think, oh, this is it. I cannot go any further. And we've all been there. And I think every single one of us has been at least once, probably 50 times. <laughs> we have been to a place in our life where we feel like, I cannot go any further. This is it. 
But God has spoken things. He has put things in us. They are in reserve. We need to go back there and get them and stop depending on our soul, on our feelings, because the things that are stored there do not last. The things that are stored in your spirit last and last and last. These are the things that help you. These are the things that will minister to you. I heard someone say, I forget who it was, but I heard someone say that when God sends a harvest, how many like harvest? How many are having a fun time looking for your harvest and trying to find those harvests? I heard this person say, and I pondered it for quite a while. I thought, this, I need some thought on this one. When God sends harvest, most times it comes as wisdom. I've meditated on that quite a bit since I heard him say that. And I've gotten a lot, a lot of things from it. I'll let you meditate on it for a while. But I've gotten a lot of things out of that. And we're going to get into, into those as, as time goes on. Harvests come most of the time as wisdom. But if you don't apply it, it will never do anything for you. It will never change anything. There's reasons why wisdom... But look at it this way. Who was the richest man in the Bible? Solomon. What else was he? The wisest man. Do you think there's a correlation there? Do you think there's a correlation between wisdom and riches? <laughs> yeah, there sure is. The Word of God has it in more places than that. It's a big correlation to it. About a year ago, a little over a year ago, I started meditating on some things for a new series. And we haven't been able to get into it. I have not had the release to, to, to go into it. And as we were getting through this series and we branched off in this, this uh, part here on the money, I knew this would lead us into it. And so we are going to be starting a new series on the wisdom of God. If you really want the harvest of God, it's going to come to you most of the time in wisdom, not in checks in the mail. And if we don't apply that wisdom, if we don't know how to recognize that wisdom, if we don't have the boldness to act on that wisdom, it will yield us nothing. But the people who took the wisdom of God and put it to work in the Bible became abundantly blessed. We need to recognize that wisdom to hear the things that God would teach us through our spirit, not through our soul, through our spirit. And find a way to store these away so that we have great abundance of spiritual truth. So in the day when we are tested, we have more than we need. Do you know that most of the tests we go through in life would be nothing if we only knew or could use the storehouse available to us? Just like if you needed a new car and you have $100,000 sitting in the bank. It's not a problem, is it? It's a problem if you have $10 in the bank. But $100,000? No big deal. What car do you want? We're, we're, we're creating our own problems more often because we just don't know the wisdom of God and how to put it into a usable storehouse that we can go and get. But the Word of God wants us to do it. And He's real clear about that. So we're going to be getting into that. We'll start that up next week. We'll still have some more things to do on, on money. There's a lot more that the Word of God has to do on finance. I can go on for this for another two months. Easy. But maybe we'll just uh, put some of these things aside and, 
and pick it up in a little while and give us a chance to review some of these things and, um, and go over that. Would you all stand up with me? Whenever something comes to you, down in your spirit, down on the inside, whether you, whenever you hear something, whenever you think of something, whenever a word would come to you or you would listen to a teaching, you need to compare it to what the Word of God has said. You need to compare it to your spirit. Is this a spirit realm or is this a soulless realm? Now understand, that's like Brother Jolly was saying, there are sometimes we our soul needs to be spoken to. There are sometimes we need to talk to our soul. Soul, get in line. <laughs> you sometimes need to have that word that's there for your soul. Thank God for it, because you know, emotions are tough. And we sometimes and, and I'm not trying to downplay that or say that it's that's insignificant. There is a significance to it. But the greater significance is what comes in the realm of the spirit. And if you don't have an abundance there, you won't have what you need to calm your soul, to speak to your soul, to bring your soul into line with what the Word of God wants you to do. So I bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. Your Word is a light unto our path. It is a great light. We want to operate in this light, walk in this light. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for the light of the gospel, the light of the word. Help us, even this week, to begin to discern some things that we have heard in the past through our soul, but we should have heard through our spirit. (coughs) If we heard it through our spirit, we could have stored it away and had a great truth to help us out down the road. But we heard it through our soul, through our emotions. And just like the disciples, we filed away a wrong teaching, a wrong principle. And it's not going to help us down the road. But Father, you are giving things to us all the time because you see what is coming and you want to prepare us for it. You want our storehouse to have in it all the things that we need to take care of all the needs that will be coming up. That we have greater supply than we have need. So much so that even when we come across other people who have need, we can pull out of our storehouse and share with them to help them out. We thank you for the help that you give us in this. That you do want to bring us to a place of blessing, abundant blessing, for the purpose of being a blessing to other people, not for a purpose of making us covetous or making us just have bigger barns with more stuff. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in that. Open up our eyes this week to see things, to understand. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.